0: This is Episode 6, Season 1. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others and makes them bleed deeper and something larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized by the storytellers, by the loyalty, by the memory of those who honor him and make the running the man did live forever. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. If you work with athletes, how many times have you heard them say, or have you caught yourself saying, I feel like I should be lifting, insert weight you should be lifting at this point in your career? Why does the person think that? A, who are they comparing themselves to? Did somebody tell them what they should be lifting? Are they spending too much time on... Facebook or Instagram or YouTube watching other lifters in their weight class that may have a completely different training environment than them entirely? Are they comparing themselves to that or do they just have unreasonable expectations of themselves at their current juncture of training? And if they have these numbers that are cemented into their head, what's the justification for having those numbers? When an athlete comes up to me and I I hear, I should be lifting this. It's usually after a bad day. Um, but the, the thing is, is that the key is how you approach these situations. How do you make that athlete realize, put things into perspective for them and find that silver lining when a bad day happens? Um, usually this is multiplied when you have a, a bunch of bad days, you know, day after day after day. Or if you have two out of, th- you know, two or three of them during a week. Um, the first thing I make the athlete do is I take a step, I make them take a step back. I make them look at where they were a month from their you know, supposed meltdown. Um, I make them, you know, look where they were three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, nine times out of 10, the progress is plain and right there in front of them, but they're not going to realize it because they get all caught up in the present situation that they don't take that time to sit and look and and realize how far they've come in the amount of time that you give them. Um, It's very easy for athletes to get wrapped up into the day to day. Uh, you want, you have a goal written down. If you're not getting closer to that goal or you feel like that goal is just so far away, you're gonna look at every little thing and try to find something to blame as to why you're not doing what you should be doing or what you think you should be doing. If you have an athlete that is focusing on what others are doing, you need to make sure as a coach that you tell them, knock it off. Um, be a little nice about it, explain to them why, whatever. I just prefer to be a little blunt with the athlete and just tell them to knock it off. That's not, there's not, that's not the time and the place for that. You need to focus solely on you. Kendrick Ferris, a three-time Olympian, uh, about a year or two ago posted a, uh, blank black spot essentially on Instagram and the caption read my competition was you can kind of figure out a lot of people that were in the 94 kilo class, uh, the weight class that he lifted in, got really sensitive, got really butthurt about this. And, you know, people were kind of calling him out as a jerk and this and that. Later on down the road, he was interviewed asking about that Instagram post. And he essentially said, that he didn't mean that there's nobody on his level. It just simply meant that there is nobody for him to focus on when he's training and when he's competing. When he goes to the competition, he is all he has to worry about. He is all he has control over. So there is no reason for him to watch and see what others are doing. And that's all he meant by the post He meant more of it as a motivational thing, not necessarily as a uh, fuel to the fire kind of a deal. But of course, you know, there's always You know those who are kind of you know pessimistic about it kind of skeptical about his motives Um, personally I kind of believe the guy and I feel like more athletes need to take up that kind of an attitude when it comes to training you are the only person that you have control over you spend too much time focusing on everybody else you're gonna end up messing up somewhere down the road when you start comparing yourself to other people or you start comparing you know training partners to other lifters you're not helping anybody that's involved so do yourself a favor and just get rid of those notions uh, right away. Another thing people have to understand when you're comparing yourself to another lifter is the training situation may not be the same from person to person, from place to place. Take myself, for example, between California Strength, MD USA. And moving back to Chicago, heck, moving back to Chicago, I've had three completely different training environments. But MDUSA to CalStrength was a completely different training environment. You need to understand that not everybody is doing this full time. Some athletes do have that luxury. There are very few in the United States, but there are some that do have that luxury. Um, most people are doing this at more as a hobby. They have full time jobs. Um, you also have to understand facility restrictions. I mean, when I trained in my my in laws' garage. I had access to a squat stand uh, about 375 pounds in uh, bumper plates and a bushing bar that didn't spin the greatest but it was all i had and it was what i got a lot of work done in um, when i was at MDUSA, we had top of the line of equipment anytime we needed something anytime we asked for something it was there for us two completely situ uh, different situations but if you take my snatch for instance i accomplished a better snatch training in that garage by myself than i did at MDUSA. so it's all you got to take all these different things into consideration coaching is another one um, some people that you might be working or you might not work with that you might be comparing yourself to might have you know a bunch of different coaches at your disposal. You may be you know training at a CrossFit. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the coach might not be on the same uh, accreditation level or you know credentials might not have the resume of athletes that some of these people you're comparing yourself to. Um, and another thing, which I think is a huge piece of the puzzle, is training partners. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Um, there's a great quote that if you uh, if you walk with the lame, you're going to develop a limb. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. And I, you know, between, I like training by myself, but I always know that whatever I do by myself, I'm good for a little bit more when you get me in a charged atmosphere. A lot of these teams that you're seeing now, that's the whole purpose is they're trying to surround yourself with people that are just as good or better than you, because it's gonna give you that little extra push. It's gonna give you that little something to train, you know, for and and to, to, to accomplish just when your body's telling you, you know, what today's not your day Um, I don't know how many times I've seen that happen where an athlete just is like you know what I'm done then somebody comes out, adds another little kilo to that bar lifts it beats that person and all of a sudden they have an extra two kilos in them and they end up taking the lead Uh, training partners it's an undervalued aspect of training that people don't take advantage of Um, Another great uh, quote that I I hear when I talk to athletes about progress because In the end of the day you want to be making progress now Some people make a lot more progress in a shorter time span than others and sometimes others just have a little bit of a trickle effect Uh, Personally, I am a very big proponent of that trickle effect. Why? Because weightlifting is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Those who outlast the others are usually the ones that are going to be on those international teams. Again, I use Kendrick Ferris as an example. He talks about when they opened up a training program, a training center down in Shreveport, where he's from, Shreveport, Louisiana. He had a ton of athletes that started out i think he said there were about 10 or 15 athletes and by the time they got to high school of those 10 or 15 there were only maybe eight or so around by the time they got to college there were about five of those athletes around and now here he is a three-time olympian and none of those athletes that he trained with are still involved in the program so uh, it's sometimes it's more about outlasting the competition than trying to beat them you know in in a quick fashion but a great quote that i heard is that if you had one pound a week to your lifts multiply that or you know add that up throughout the year that's 50 a 52 pound improvement on a lift now obviously we don't deal in pounds we deal in kilos so maybe a half kilo or a kilo each week um who, but regardless of how you look at it who doesn't want that kind of improvement you want to add 50 kilos to your lift i mean i know i sure as heck would right at this point Um, Be a a little ambitious with the kilos, but maybe not. Maybe think about it every two weeks you add a kilo or whatever it is, but think about making small incremental improvements. Find something to improve upon each and every day when you're in the gym. You may not PR a lift, but were your positions better maybe in the jerk? Did you not have any misses on any of your warm up sets? Um, Were you able to maintain consistency? Were you able to keep your back tight throughout the entire workout? Find something that you need to improve upon and improve it it may not be an actual number in that you know in your notebook on the board or on that bar but it might be something else were you able to maintain a positive attitude after a miss and come back and make it were you able to make the proper adjustments on a lift to make sure that you know you were be given three white lights in a competition find a silver lining in what you're trying to accomplish find a little bit of progress that you can make and things are going to eventually get to where you want them um you know focusing on the negative focusing on what everybody else is doing even the people that are around you training they might be having a really good go of it lately and you might not be don't worry you remember my quote from a couple of uh, episodes back it's all cyclical and it's going to come back around to you you just have to stay the course you have to focus on what you can control i mean uh, just going back to that quote um the 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 the, the adding a pound every day That I you're gonna be very hard-pressed to find a lifter that doesn't want to add 50 pounds to their lift or about 22 and a half kilos or 20 kilos or so to their lifts You're just you're not gonna find somebody that's not gonna want to make that kind of improvement So my goal to you is stop focusing on what everybody else is doing focus on you and focus on what you should and, And shouldn't be doing for yourself in training not what you should be lifting necessarily but how you can control what you're doing in your training. Focus on you and focus on what you can control and your training will be better. Make incremental improvements, maybe not on the bar, maybe not number-wise, but in your technique, in your attitude, in how you approach everyday training and things are going to progress the way they should or the way you think they should. If you're like me, then you take pride in providing your gym and your athletes with the best of the best, whether it be equipment, programs products or experiences quality is of the utmost importance why wouldn't the chalk you use day in and day out for your workouts be any different for the members at the strength agenda there's only one chalk that i want aiding my athletes in their training and that's hand armor chalk hand armor chalk the official chalk of usa weightlifting, comes in both an antimicrobial liquid form or the traditional block form and both options are under ten dollars whether it's throwing or lifting I really love this stuff, and I recommend you give it a try. Make sure you use the code AGENDA at checkout and get an additional 10% off your order. Go to www.handarmorchalk.com and get yours now. Today's guest on Strength Agenda Radio is The Keegan Dillon, Most recently, people might know him from Butt Stuff Monthly, um, but he is a highly accredited CrossFit coach. He's worked. He runs the competition program at CrossFit Sprague, where they finished 15th at this year's regionals. He's coached numerous individual regional athletes, as well as multiple USAPL national qualifiers. And he's now in the process of starting up a competitor's program out in Reno, Nevada with Chrissy May Cagney's Black Iron Gym. Keegan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey man, how's it going?
0: It's going good. It's going good. So let's just uh, go from the beginning. Give us, you know, how you got from point A to point B. To, you know, how did you get involved? Uh, you know, what was your background um, in athletics uh, or or coaching CrossFit and all that? How did you get into it, and how did it lead you to where you're at uh, currently?
1: All right, this might be a long, random story because none, none of it really fits together until the end, I guess. But there you go. Um, So growing up, I played, you know, baseball, basketball, never played football, which generally surprises people.
0: Um, Yeah, because you're a big dude.
1: Yeah. Well, I kind of made up for that because when I went to college, played basketball for a year, didn't really like the team, ended up playing rugby, which I love. So I ended up playing football without pads, which made my mom super happy at the time. Um, But after college, not much going on in little old Pittsfield, Massachusetts. So I ended up joining the Army. Uh, I was in the Army for four years, ended up getting pretty severely hurt on a training jump. I was in the 82nd Airborne, so I was a paratrooper. Found out I had hemophilia, which is a bleeding disorder. Oh, jeez. Ended up in the hospital for 13 days. Uh, ended up with like pretty severe nerve damage to my right leg. Um, so from that point forward, like the rest of my time in the Army was spent like trying to med board out of the Army as well as rehab my leg. So just like that whole rehab process kind of got me really interested about fitness. Like I did the whole meathead thing um, pretty much the whole time just because I didn't really know anything yeah. different. I mean, this was 2012, 2011, 2012. So, I mean, you know, things like CrossFit have been around for a while, but it wasn't highly publicized like it is now. And,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: Instagram and YouTubes were coming up, but they weren't huge. I'm not even sure Instagram was around back then. Yeah. Um, so just like that whole rehab setting, I got really intrigued by fitness. Um, started going to see a trainer that actually like she was supposed to be my physical therapist, but she actually like did a lot of crossfit type things with us. Like I started rowing and uh, did a lot of stuff with kettlebells just to strengthen my leg. Mm-hmm. And from there, like randomly saw I think 2011, 2012 the CrossFit Games on TV like a rerun, and I just started watching. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like, how do I get into doing this? And like at the time, I didn't know what was going on. Like I I was was on an army salary, so I couldn't exactly afford to go to a CrossFit gym. Yeah. So I just like started cherry picking workouts here and there from main site and um, whatever I could find online that had workouts. Um, And to this day, I've still never done a CrossFit class. I went right from like, yeah. So I went right from like cherry picking these workouts to I had seen Nate Schrader go through uh, the CrossFit Games, so whatever year was his first year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he happened to be in town in Fayetteville at a gym. Um, and I found out through a couple buddies that he was doing OPT programming. So I went right from, like, nothing in CrossFit to getting an individual um, coach. So I'd never, like, hopped into class. I was just, like, getting a coach makes sense to me. Uh, when I get out of the Army, I'll be able to afford this. So let's just jump right into like one person telling me what to do and like hopefully understand like my injury and where I'm at. And it ended up working out really well. So for about eight months, I basically trained the way you would want to train if you were going to the games, except I had none of the potential. (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, being six foot four and 280 pounds is not the best body weight or like anthropometrics for going to the CrossFit Games but I didn't know
0: that makes certain things a little bit difficult.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you're in a similar boat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, from there I ended up actually applying for a job. I spent about eight months in Pittsfield after I got out of the army and then I applied for a job at OPT Um, ended up getting it. So around June or July, I think it was July of 2013, I ended up driving out to Arizona, worked at OPT for, I want to say two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. Um, We ended up parting ways. And then like just through that whole experience of like learning from their courses, being around coaches, like meeting a ton of people, you know, within their community, like throughout the country. And I guess even throughout the world of just like coaches that really love, you know, owning a gym and coaching people and helping people. I started to fall in love with it myself. Um, So once we parted ways, I started doing some individual coaching here and there at like random gyms in Scottsdale um, and just kind of like started the course of like learning and going to seminars and watching YouTube videos and reading books and like the whole song and dance that, you know, everybody's done. Yeah. Um, from there, we ended up moving out to California, where I got a full time real actual like death cubicle job. <laughs> Um, so me and Alex were both at CSA, she was coaching and I was just training with Jesse, but then doing this nine to five job and for yeah. like three months, I was like, this is great. Like, I don't have to like quote unquote grind. I don't have to worry about like, if somebody's going to pay me this month, I'm just like going and sitting at a desk and yeah. then I'm going home and I'm getting paid for it. And I was like, this is, this is the dream. This is what everybody wants.
0: Yeah. And for like those three- who three. For- Real quick, for those who aren't aware, uh, CSA is Combat Sports Academy out in Dublin, California. Is one of the larger uh, Crossfits out in that area. And then Jesse Burdick, most people know him from Power He also runs their powerlifting program out of uh, CSA in Dublin, California. Sorry, I just want to make sure people could put two and two together on that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of rambling. So anytime. No, no, you're good. Me. That's fine. Um, so I literally woke up like Alex and I were fighting, and like you know, Friday would come and I'd be excited. Saturday would be awesome. Sunday I'd be in a pissy mood because I knew I'd have to wake up Monday and go back to this cubicle job that I ultimately started hating because I'd be getting texts from like Katie Hogan, Jesse Burdick, Alex. They'd be like, hey, we're at the gym, this is so much fun. And I'm like, I'm stuck at this cubicle and this little shitty job, this isn't, this apparently isn't for me. Um, So like one month, like the first Monday in February, not last year, the year before that, I literally like sat up out of bed and like woke Alex up and I was like, hey, she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm going to quit. So she was like, what? And I was like, I'm I'm done. I was like, I'm not even going to go in today. I'm just going to give him a call and be like, I'm done. And she was like, how how are we going to pay bills? And I was like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Like whatever we got to do, like we'll figure it out. So she was like, uh, okay. So So I literally like, I actually spent all day calling because my manager was out sick. And finally, she ended up calling me from her house and being like, why aren't you at work? And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. Um, But anyways, so the next the very next day I was at uh, CSA training with Jesse and Mark Bell. Silent Mike, uh, Kyle Kingsbury, Joe Ken, um, a.k.a. Coach House Mm -hmm. um, and the strength coach for the 49ers whose name escapes me. And like their whole strength and conditioning crew were at Jesse's gym. Like, and we just had like one giant deadlift party. Yeah. And I was like, I'm around some, like the best strength coaches in the NFL. I think coach house got NFL strength coach of the year this past year.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I remember that that video. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, I, I was so like, I hadn't really met Mark, um, except maybe like once or twice at that point. So I was just like this little kid in the candy store or whatever, like standing in the background, like this is amazing. I don't know what's going on, but I think I did the right thing. Yeah. Um, And from that point forward, I just kind of like started taking small steps towards like getting some clients. Like Alex helped a ton. She basically paid our bills for months um, while we were in California and she hated me for it, but it's all working out now. Yeah. And just like slowly through Alex and Jesse and like kind of getting my name out there more, started acquiring some clients. Um, and then we had the opportunity last August to move down to, uh, Belton, Texas to work at CrossFit Sprague where I took over a competitor's program from a girl that I actually worked with at OPT. Um, she had to move cause her husband got re-stations up in San Antonio. So from there I've spent the last year just kind of like actually getting my coaching voice like in front of a group of people and figuring out like my own style and mm-hmm. kind of like had the freedom to, do, like, between all the people I've been around, between, you know, the OPTs, um, you know, the Jesse Burdicks, and, like, those kinds of things, I've kind of learned, like, what I don't like about how I think people should coach, and what I do like, and kind of, like, just tried to meld everything together, I guess, into, like, my own style.
0: That's awesome. So, you've, I, I, it's one of those things where you kind of got into CrossFit when the, the it was really starting to boom. Um, I was out in actually I was out around CSA in two thousand you know eleven two thousand twelve yep. when CrossFit was really starting to hit their stride. Um, yeah, and, especially
1: in that area.
0: Yeah, especially in that area. That that was my first. So, like I I I grew up in the south side of Chicago, um, and when I graduated college, like I, I had said, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like I could count on one hand how many CrossFits there were in the Chicagoland area. There yep. was one out in the suburbs. There were two out in the cities or in, in, in like the downtown area there was one on like the north side of the city and then there was one in like the what i consider like way south suburbs like the joliet area um and then other than that i had no clue where there were any other crossfit so i had kind of heard about it and i it's funny you mentioned like the the cherry picking on main site because that's actually um what my wife and i did for a while i was competing in the highland games i was competing in strongman And, uh, on a dare, I decided to do a 5k and I don't run. (laughs) You've seen me like it it pretty, it pretty much, we were sitting at a white Sox game drinking and somebody was like, I'm doing a 5k. And I started laughing and they're like, well, I bet you, you couldn't beat me in a 5k. And so of course, like, you know, competitiveness, I'm like, yeah, I could beat you in a 5k. And so the next day it was my wife's cousin. And the next day she sends me a link and she goes, here you go, sign up. And I'm like, Shit, I don't do any conditioning, so I started like going on the main site, and my wife and I in our garage would cherry pick the workouts from main site that we could do. You know, with the equipment that I had in the garage. So it's really funny that you mentioned that because I—that's my first introduction across it as well. And then I went out to California Strength, was training with them, and there's one on every corner almost like driving from California strength, which was in San Ramon to CSA because Glenn used to coach their weightlifting class on Thursday yep. nights. And I would help him, um, just driving there. We would pass like eight or nine different crossroads yeah. just in yeah, that little. Fun. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it's funny. Cause like when we got, cause we're in like a pretty like quote unquote small town, Texas right now. Yeah. Like it's kind of like how it was here. Like probably four to five years ago, like in the bigger cities, like, you know, I could name all three gyms that are in this area. Yep. And then you go up to Austin and obviously there's a lot more, but it's kind yeah. of funny. Like we went from, you know, I don't want to call, I mean, I guess it kind of is like that Northern California is somewhat of like the hub yeah. for CrossFit. Cause I mean, they're right in Santa Cruz. And then we go to like a town where like CrossFit's kind of like, it's still new.
0: Yeah, like exactly. You,
1: you, you don't go to a restaurant and like see CrossFitters a lot, but like if you're in Northern California and you go out to eat, especially at like, you know, a, a paleo ish type yeah. place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chipotle, yeah. You're yeah. going to see seven or eight pairs of nanos or some Metcons or like yep. you're going to yeah. be around people that know what CrossFit is. Yeah. It's, uh,
0: yeah. And, uh, it's insane how much it blew up. But like you got involved in it right at the boom when it seems like everybody was at least trying it. And now I wouldn't say it's died off now, but I would say um, the cream is definitely rising to the top. You're seeing yeah. gyms. Yeah. See- I'd
1: say it's plateaued to a degree. Like, I don't think you have people doing a level one every weekend and then trying to like open up a garage gym and just see what happens. Like, yeah, you got to be a a special kind of person to like run people out of your garage right now and have that build into something bigger. Um, It could be done. But like four or five years ago, anybody could have done that for the most part. Yep. So they got enough clientele to move into a space, but
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I was again. I was talking to somebody else about that the other day. It takes it. it, You actually have to be a business person, in my opinion, to run a CrossFit. Now, it can't just be a passion it can't yep. just be a hobby for you. Like it has to be treated as a business. And 100%. I think, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these, 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 these boxes closing now and like selling equipment and stuff like that because they, it was a passion project for them. It wasn't their life. Yeah. And, they, they
1: wanted to like open a gym for themselves and if yeah. they could make money off of it, cool. But then yeah. when it came down to like, how do we make money? You're like, uh,
0: yeah, so it just it's also been interesting to see like the 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 um expansion of different types of businesses. I mean, there are literally businesses now that are designed to help you run your business, like help you create a successful business. Like there's all these mentorship programs and stuff along yeah. those lines, and a lot of it is geared towards CrossFit. So, my question to you is is as a whole in the fitness industry, the strength and conditioning industry, all that stuff, how has how how have you seen CrossFit influence that, whether it negatively or second. positively?
1: I didn't hear any of that question.
0: Oh sorry. I was saying how how do you how how did you see CrossFit influence the fitness and the strength and conditioning community? Um, you know, both positive and negatively, like how did, how is it's, you know, its, it's rapid increase, it's growth and all that influence all these different avenues of the industry.
1: Man, I think if you could like write out like what the jobs look like in strength and conditioning from like actually being a coach to like being a business that helps other businesses like CrossFit gyms, like succeed. And you could like write all those out that all came within the last five years. And then compare it to the amount of jobs in that same industry five years prior to that, it would be like 50 times what it was back then. Like, I think CrossFit's given us a, given everybody like an avenue in fitness somewhere where people can kind of like fit in, whether it's your business savvy, but you love fitness and you want to be able to help people, or you just want to be a coach. Like there's all these different avenues now um, for people to like kind of pursue their passion within mm-hmm. fitness, whether it's powerlifting, weightlifting, you know, CrossFit or anywhere in between. I mean, even freaking Highland games. Yeah. Like nobody would have, I mean, like credit Matt Vincent for like putting a lot of that out there, but like nobody would have known or given two shits what Highland games were if it wasn't for like everybody trying to find their own competitive way yep. to like express themselves.
0: Right. So from a training standpoint how do you think crossfit has influenced these different sports like you you work with power lifters um your girlfriend alexandra lachan she's she's she switched over to weightlifting. you know you still deal with regional competitors and stuff like that like how d- has crossfit as a training you know methodology yeah. how has that impacted all these different sports
1: i think it gave like a very low barrier to entry for fitness mm-hmm. so you didn't have to like do your own research and like go to a globo gym and like hammer out some stuff on a bunch of machines. And you really didn't know what you were doing, right? Like you were doing a back day, but you didn't know why or like what you were really doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think CrossFit like kind of gave that avenue to where like, you can go to the gym, you can like be around other people. And it's actually like, for the most part, you know, a friendly environment where you can create relationships, it's competitive. And I think from there, people kind of figured out like, Oh, like lifting this heavy barbell is pretty cool running not so cool yeah and like they kind of from there like had the ability to figure out like what their passion was in fitness be be it like maybe they were like a heavy barbell not for me but like running or rowing or like more enduring events like a tough mudder is like kind of where they want to go and like i think that low barrier to entry crossfit just allowed people to actually like find what they wanted to do like same with alex like you know, elite gymnast out of Arkansas, goes into CrossFit, her first year individual goes to the games. Yeah. Like, obviously not the the normal, but like, gave her like a way to express the fitness that she had done for two decades, like handstand walking and flipping. And I'm totally murdering exactly what she did. And she'll probably kill me for that. <laughs> but then like through CrossFit was like, holy shit, I'm pretty good at weightlifting. Yeah, like, I'm not in the mindset or of the ability to like kill myself every day to get to the next level, to go back to the games. Not saying she couldn't, but just like what her passion is, like she likes putting a barbell over her head. And it's like, well, just do that, right? Like do that, like you're good at it. Let's see what happens. Like, so it's given everybody kind of a way to like, figure out, I think what they like and don't like and try to figure out a way to compete in what that is, which I think is awesome. because. I mean, who competed ten years ago? You did. Some weightlifters did, like a few obscure powerlifting meets here and there. Yeah, I mean, mean, they were bigger, like within the community, if you were in that community. But if you weren't, like, you couldn't go online and just look up like powerlifting meet in my area.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing that I think. People underestimated about like CrossFit and its influence is like it gave all these sports and CrossFit is, as well like a fan base, um, like weightlifting in particular. Like I, I mean I I I was kind of there in weightlifting at the start of it, and yeah. if you look at like the 2012 nationals versus you know lat, this last year's nationals in, in in Lombard in Chicago Illinois, I mean. For the six for for Maddie Rogers' session, that that, that seven o'clock session. I, I, that's why I ran yeah. into you at the, the the seven o'clock session on Saturday night. Like there was not a seat available in that place. Like it was packed to the gills. Yep. Everybody the standing room only kind of a deal. And even then it was kind of uncomfortable standing around, but everybody was there to watch, I believe it was the seventy sevens on the men's side. Or the 80, might have been the 85s and then I think it was the, the 85. and the 69s on the women's side. Like those were two of like the more, or I'm sorry, it was the 94s because that was um, uh, Colin and all them. Uh, but, oh, like, yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah. But so those, was, those were like, two, that was really cool.
0: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, though, they had those two sessions going side to side, and almost all of the people that were in the crowd were not. The competitors, like usually at national meets, that was the crowd, that was the audience, was the competitors who had already competed or were about to compete like in the next few days. But a lot of those people were just fans of the sport that had probably heard about it through CrossFit or through some other avenue, but 90% of them probably were through CrossFit. And then I believe it was two years ago, um, Dave Castro started incorporating more strongman-like stuff yeah. at the yep. games where he was in like the, 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 pig flipping the pig, um, you know, uh, 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 uh pulling sleds, like pushing, you know, um, yeah, odd the, odd so yeah, the worms, stuff like that. And all the strong man got their panties in a bunch. Cause they're like, Oh, well, we've been doing that for years. It's like, right. But they're giving people an insight to other ways of being fit, other ways of being strong. Right. And I believe it was the next year um, North American strongman created a whole other like weight category or or two weight categories. You when I competed in strongman, it was just lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight. That was it. And now they have like a a featherweight division or whatever. And it's essentially all these little guys and girls that, you know, came over from CrossFit that wanted to compete in Strongman, but were like, the girls are like 100, 110 pounds. The guys are like a buck 50. They couldn't compete in like the lightweight classes. So they literally created a whole nother class. And that, you know, increases membership. And that, you know, when people are paying for more memberships, like you're making more money and all that, but people don't realize that without CrossFit and, you know, them implementing the odd objects into their bigger competitions, like, people might not have ever known that that kind of stuff existed.
1: Right. Even, uh, so the meets that uh, Jesse Burdick runs out of CSA are yeah. SPF, so Southern Powerlifting Federation, I believe. Yeah. And they now have, I think they've had it for a year or two now, but they have a CrossFit division. Really? So, like, you can, you know, sign up, be a CrossFitter and sign up and not get, like, demolished by the people that do powerlifting as their entire life. Yeah, yeah. And like you can actually like have a fighting chance to podium or at least like compete against peers and not feel like so overwhelmed because That's you don't like have the right gear or like whatever. Just, you know, you can like go in as a newbie or just like to have a good experience. Yeah. And you don't have to be like, oh, my God, everybody's so much stronger than me. I feel like an idiot. Like, no, just sign up in the division for like what you are. Yeah. And none of that existed 10
0: years ago. No, absolutely. I mean, the Arnold for the longest time, I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to have a a separate CrossFit division for the weightlifting portion of the Arnold Classic. And I don't know necessarily what the qualifications were, you know, to do that. I think all you had to do is be registered to an, an affiliated box. And you could lift in your own separate division. And the thought process was the same as it sounds like the SPF, just get people into it so they're not competing head to head with Kendrick Ferris and Colin Burns and all these guys. And they're, you know, but they're still getting a taste of that competition to see whether that's something that they want to pursue or not. So flipping it over to the other side, um, as a coach, as you've worked with athletes, whether, you know, like I know Alex had some back issues for a while there um other athletes I guarantee you've worked with have had certain issues and all that what is like what are some some things on the negative side that you've seen occur with you know the boom of crossfit like as it's grown what are some things that you see either they've been ignored not purposely just with constant and you know rapid growth like some things are going to be overlooked or some things are not going to be you know they're not going to you know rise up to the level of everything else like what are some of those issues or things that you might see whether it be programming coaching like we were talking about like people running gyms as a hobby and not necessarily yeah. a business
1: So I think I think coaching and programming are probably the two and I, honestly I think like from year to year they get exponentially better um yeah. But I think, like, kind of in the beginning, and I mean, even still at this point, like, nobody really, um, and I think they'd be lying to you if they said they did, like, 100% knows how to coach CrossFit yet. right? No, like, no. it's, it's 10 years old, and then, like, super competitive CrossFit's probably, like, four years old. Like, probably three or four years old, like, when Super Regional started, and, like, shit started getting, like, super competitive, and then it's yep. going to change again feasibly this coming year. Yep. Like, I think everything right now is like people trying to figure out like what's best for everybody. And everybody is so individual and different to some degree that like a lot of things are playing roles like, you know, height, limb length, like all this other shit that like nobody ever had to think about. It's now something like all coaches need to understand if they want to get, you know, really high level athletes to the next level.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, definitely gone are the years of like a one hit wonder. Um, Yeah. like you are not at at this stage in the game, you are not just going to show up to some random CrossFit and the following year qualify for regionals, qualify for the games because of your talent alone. Like it, it, it's an actual sport now, like,
1: and on the coaching side of that, like, you're not just going to get your level one and then hop into like coaching a bunch of competitive athletes. Exactly. Like you need to know what it feels like. You need to know like to a degree how to do a lot of the shit. Like I think you can like you could specialize in CrossFit and have like a group around you of people that can help in some areas like I have Jesse for powerlifting and I can reach out to Jared Fleming um, for weightlifting and yep. I live with Alex. So if I like have gymnastics questions like I have all these people at my disposal, but I'm not yep. just like using them so I don't need to know it like I'm using them as resources so yep. I can learn yeah. and also give the best product I can to my athletes. Right. Um, I don't exactly remember where I was going with that, but. We were just um, talking.
0: You were just talking about the. We were talking about, like, the programming, like, issues and coaching and stuff like that.
1: And then probably the. I guess the biggest issue would be that everybody wants to be a competitor now. Yeah. Like, it's. I think because it is so new, and, like, you can literally, like, reach out and touch people that go to the CrossFit games, Mm -hmm. and, like, to a degree, they make it look somewhat effortless because of how high quality of an athlete they are. Like people are like, Oh, like I can do that. Like Matt Frazier's five, six, five, seven and moves this weight. I can kind of do that. We must be the same person. It's like, it's like, no dude, you got like your makeup's 100% different. Right. Like,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Like there's, I think just because it's so new slash like right out there for you to like shake hands and, like, meet and even know and train next to or in the same gym as some of these people. Yep. Like, nobody picks up a baseball bat and like, you know what? I'm going to be Barry Bonds tomorrow when they're 27 years old.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's
1: like, it's like, no, dude, like, Barry Bonds has been swinging a bat since he was three. Yeah. Like, all these people, for the most part, and I'm sure there's outliers that are just genetic freaks, but yep. I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody in, like, the CrossFit Games that didn't have some sort of, elite level background in something, whether it was just like they dominated everything in high school, they went to college to do X, Y, and Z, like something like they put in a body of work at some point that has helped them progress to this point. And like, sure, they're also genetic freaks, like I'm not gonna say they're not like, no, it's gonna be hard. It's it's gonna take I don't think you'll ever see like that. I just work harder than everybody. So I'm here. It's like, no, like you do work really hard but you're also gifted.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that was, that would always used to crack me up is when um I left MDUSA and had started talking to some people about grid and stuff like that and decided to give it a shot. Like I'd be training in a couple different gyms and my lifting obviously was higher than most people. And they're like, man, like if you could get a motor, like with your yeah. lifts, like you'd dude, be you so just, good dude, at CrossFit. An I'm engine. like, just get an engine, right. Dude. I was like, right, but you just you just hit the nail on the head there. If I could get a motor, like if I could get a motor, I'd have one, and I don't. Like that's why I lift things, and those guys do running things. Because then, like I mean, anytime that anytime there was a workout that was like five minutes or less, I was golden. The the workout went over ten minutes, I was done. Yeah, and people just—I feel your pain. Yeah, and people just don't understand that different energy systems, you know, have to be trained. Different, you know, different you know you have to work on like your like the sport of you know crossfit in and of itself is literally built around being average at everything but you're exceptionally yeah. average at all of those things like it's not you know i mean i think they're, they're they threw out like an interesting stat that like the, the the across the board like on the men's side like the top games athletes could back squat almost 500 pounds But could also run, like, a sub-five-minute mile. But they could also, like, snatch, like, 255, 265, 275, stuff like that. Like, just ridiculous numbers. And then they could also walk, like, you know, 100 feet unbroken, you know, in a handstand. Like, it's just all those different things that you have to be good at that it's, like – for me, for instance, like there's no way in hell I'm ever gonna run a sub five minute mile. It's just I A I don't want to. B it's not gonna happen. <laughs> um but like I can knock off a couple of those other things, sure, no problem. But that's the difference between those guys and somebody like me or, you know, your average Joe. Like they don't understand that, yeah, they're 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 exceptionally average at everything and that's yeah. why they can make it all look effortless.
1: Yeah, I Everybody like, even in the sport of CrossFit, like forgets the amount of work these people put in. Yeah. And it's not just like, oh, like they're lucky they don't have a job, they can do whatever they want. Like, okay, no, like, yes, like they do have that. But if you had all the time in the world, that doesn't mean you're going to be Matt Fraser. Yeah, exactly. But like, you look at somebody like Ben Smith, who's been CrossFitting for seven, eight, nine years now, whatever it is
0: oh and everybody's
1: wow. like oh like they came out with strict muscle ups and then all of a sudden like people are just doing them like they're easy and then everybody in is like hey i want to do strict muscle ups and you're like can you do a regular muscle up like yeah. can you do a dip and it's like all the like everybody wants to skip the steps that all these other athletes went through just like it wasn't as publicized because it had been three four years ago yeah exactly and they just think they can hop on a set of rings and do yeah. a muscle up and then even further do a strict muscle up yeah F- and it's like, what What do you, like, can you do a push-up? Like, can, yeah. can we start from back here and then fav- see what happens?
0: My favorite was last year when they pulled out the ring handstand push-ups. Oh, Jesus. And you had the videos of everybody trying to do the ring handstand push-ups. And, like, I know my, my own CrossFit, like, I had people going, like, I think I can do a, a ring handstand push-up. I'm like, you struggle with strict handstand push-ups off the floor. Please do not attempt one, you know. When there's no coach around, like I was like the last thing we need. And then sure enough, like I, people will be posting videos. Oh, these are a lot harder, you know, than they, than they appeared. And I'm like, right. Cause you have to understand the first time you saw these was when the upper echelon of the sport was tackling them. And they've probably done them at at one point or another in their training.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, like, and I don't know, like at what point or how to like reel those people in, like, I know I can do it for my people. Yeah. As best I can, but like it's like not like 330,000 people signed up for the open this year, and what 48 men and 48 women go to the games, like, yeah. I'm not great at math, but I feel like those are pretty low percentages.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it comes from maturity of the athlete, you know, from an athletic standpoint, like they just, they come in like guns blazing and they're able to understand, okay, this is going to take some time or I don't have that necessary skill set. So I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. And I think that it's just, it's some people either learn that quicker than others. And some people just never learn that. I think that's like the big thing, especially with working with athletes. Cause even now, you know, and now that the the strength agenda is just strictly a weightlifting gym. I have a couple of guys that I come in that they don't want to do snatch clean and jerk. So they do some fitness stuff and all that, but they're not trying to, you know, set the world on fire here. Like they just flat out say, they're like, I just want to look good when I take my shirt off, like plain and simple. And I'm like, you know what? I can work with that. And then I get other people that are like, I want to qualify for the American open this year. And they struggle snatching more, like, around 40 kilos. Well, if they keep
1: dropping those totals, then who knows?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah.
1: That's a different story for a different day.
0: Different story for a different day. We can talk about that all day long. So.
1: Honestly, though, like, I also think, and I can't speak for, obviously, every local CrossFit competition across the country. Yeah. But what I have seen at some of them is they see the games. Yep. And then they're like, oh, this is the standard. So we need to do some deviation of this for yeah. our event yeah. and it's like no no <laughs> you're a local competition think crossfit six years ago yeah and stick in that realm i mean that... and I, I think people are just kind of getting ahead of themselves from like what they see on tv yeah. as opposed to like what's feasible for like just regular everyday members can do yeah um, for sure. and not i don't know if this is going to jump ahead uh, but ahead of time, you like asked me what I thought was like good or bad about
0: yeah, uh, CrossFit, yeah, and
1: I think kind of the big—I don't know if it's a flaw, but it is like the the other three hundred and you know twenty-nine thousand five hundred people that like don't really get much. Like they do the open, they're never ever going to do good and not do good, but they're never going to go to regionals. Yeah. And there's not much that CrossFit gives them in the way of, like, a competitive outlet that's as awesome as the games. Not that they need that, but, like, there's no, like, there's the team series. Those people probably aren't going to put a team together and win. You know, there's the lift-off or whatever, probably not going to win that. Yeah. And there's just, I just don't know over time, like, in the next 10 years, like, at what point does the fad kind of wear off? And people are like, why am I crushing myself in the gym every day with like this group of people like what what is my goal and I think everything's become so centered around actually competing in things that people are going to be like I don't really like competing in this yeah what do I like I could just go walk on a treadmill again and I'm afraid it's going to come back to that at some point
0: yeah I will say though like a, a big positive um On the competition side of things is I feel like, I mean, I I don't know how it is out by you, but by me, I feel like there are multiple competitions almost every weekend and it gives people that chance to measure, you know, their, 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 their progress, like the competition's are becoming annual and you can go to that competition like year after year and just test how you've improved, you know, whether you're moving up through the scale division and then on to the RX division or whatever. And so I do think with like the boom and with the increase and all that stuff, like the more availability to local competitions, I think could quench some of that thirst that you're talking about. But in the grand scheme of things, I definitely do see, um... Yeah, I definitely do see a little bit of a fall off in in the fact that why am I killing myself? Like what is my goal here? Um, yeah. I think the general fitness people that are, you know, going to be hard pressed to find better results elsewhere will stick with it. But yeah, I definitely do could see a little bit of a fall off, uh, you know, CrossFit's and, and and their classes becoming a little bit more exclusive. But, you know, only time could tell. Like people were like when I was telling people in 2015 that I was going to open a CrossFit, they're like, "Do you really think that's a smart idea? Like it's going to die off pretty soon." Right. And here it is two years later, the gym that I used to you know, own is still up and running. Um, more gyms have opened in the area. So, I mean, it's, st- it's one of those things like, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be able to, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely still on the up and up. But like, so you're in a highly populated area right now. Yeah. I'm in Belton, Texas. So, you know, with the three gyms here and like, yeah, like you can travel an hour, get to Austin, two hours, get to Dallas. So there's obviously a lot of opportunity. Yeah. But I just don't know, especially like there's such a stigma, I feel like, around the word scaled. Yeah. That like people don't want to do it.
0: Yeah. It's yeah.
1: Scaled. And it sucks because for some reason, like, that's that word's been like vilified or whatever. That people are like, I have to do RX. And it's like, okay, like, if we just rename some shit and made it sound a little different, like maybe it's just RX and then Elite. And like, I know competitions have kind of gone the way of like using that terminology and I think that helps, Yeah. but in, for some reason, and it's unfortunate, but scaled, I feel like just gets this bad rap.
0: Yeah. I would Like agree. it's
1: going to be like super easy or that you're worthless or you're not as good as X, Y, and Z. And it's like this, no, it's just your ability and it's not bad and it's not yeah. good. It's just like, it's just who you are based on your body of work over time, your genetics and everything else. And it's just like, go compete with the people that are at your level so you can have fun and try to be competitive as opposed to like, let's go do RX and finish last. And it's like, well, what did you learn or gain from that experience other than you finished where you thought you were gonna finish?
0: Absolutely. So if you had one piece of advice to give out to anybody that wanted to get involved in the coaching side of CrossFit, obviously we've given out plenty on the, on the, on the athletic side, you know, but if you were to give it like a big piece of advice to, to somebody that wants to get in on the coaching, or maybe there are some coaches that are just looking to up their game that are listening to this, like, what would that be?
1: I would like, I'd reach out to people. Like I did it right. Like I said before, like, I didn't know Jesse Burdick before a year ago and now he's one of my best friends. And I'm not saying that's going to like be everybody's scenario. Yeah. But I think people need to be a little more, man, I don't want to say aggressive because if I get like 50 emails after this, it's going to suck, but like (laughs) actually like reach out to people that have been in the game for a while and like actually try to understand like why they do what they do, especially within specific segments of CrossFit. So powerlifting, weightlifting, gymnastics, like CrossFit by itself. And, like, try to, like, learn from the people in their specialties and mm-hmm. put all of that together. Because I think, like, sure, like, there's everything's in CrossFit. But if you can learn how to deadlift from a powerlifter, I feel like that's going to be pretty beneficial in the long run for your athletes or you as an athlete going into CrossFit workouts. Or if you can learn, you know, snatch, clean and jerk from a weightlifting coach, like, I feel like that's going to be really beneficial also towards your athletes or yourself as an athlete as opposed to um just trying to learn from the people around you in your small local circle of you know wherever you are
0: absolutely that that's a great piece of advice it, uh, and like
1: i don't like i'm honestly not a huge reader it just doesn't yeah never been great with it and it me just neither. doesn't resonate with me as well as like physically talking to a person yeah that I can ask questions to, whether that's like I read an article of theirs and shot him an email yeah. or was lucky enough to see him in person and had, you know, five minutes to shoot the shit and like yeah. try to rack my brain with asking like the most important question possible or maybe oh, like have questions set aside that you're like, okay, I'm going to go to Soren X Summerstrong or yeah. you're going to go to some certification where you know people are going to be there and be like, ask those questions and see what people say. Because I think people get fixated on like, okay, this one coach does it this way and that's how it needs to be done. And it's like, nobody fucking knows how to do it, dude. Like yeah, you got to figure out your own style and like you're going to try some things and they're going to suck and you're going to fail. But then some of those things are going to be gold and maybe you're the person in 10 years and somebody's like, he had this idea. And you're like, oh, like that, like maybe that's the one, I don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, I try very hard to read. Um, but it's hard for me to like, stay focused on it. Like my ADD kicks in, I got to go do something, but I'm a podcast guy. I'm a YouTube guy. I'm a going out and talking to people. And like you, I've been very fortunate, you know, in all the facets of, you know, my career, if that's what we'll call this, um, to be able to have these conversations with people, be able to ask them all these conversations, you know, all these different questions about topics that they've brought up and stuff. So I definitely would agree 110% with that. Um, plug time. What do you got going on? Uh, what do you want people to know about? How, do you, how can people um, reach out to you? What's the easiest so way for people to... So my
1: email address is in my Instagram profile. My Instagram is at Uh K-E-G-A-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. To reiterate, there's only one E in my first name. Yep. Um, Alex and I are moving to Reno to work at Black Iron Gym. Uh, we'll be there August 19th. I'm going to do some cool things with the guys out there and the girls out there, going to start a competitive program, going to help out Chrissy and everybody that does the podcast out there and try to bring up their podcast a little bit just based on how much everybody travels out there, try to be like a a steady voice for the podcast. Um, Alex is going to be out there doing doing her thing, basically, She's gonna be able to train with Q, be around weightlifters of her level. Um, So I'm really excited to see where she goes with that. And then you can always check her out on Train Heroic. Um, she does with Chance Fit Gymnastics, and she's now doing. I still program it, but she's taken over running uh, Butt Stuff Monthly, which is also on Train Heroic.
0: Nice, very cool, very cool. And we'll have links to uh, all this stuff on the. We'll we'll put your uh, your Instagram and the the Train Heroic links and all that stuff in our show notes for people that are trying to reach out to you. Now the fun part, lightning round time. Let's do it. Before we head into the lightning round of questions, I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about recovery. From yoga to cryotherapy, portable stim units to float therapy, and everything in between, more athletes are realizing the power of recovery and making it a priority. In our gym and across the United States, both professional and recreational athletes alike are enjoying the benefits of the Normatec Pulse Therapy System. We have a set of the leg boots and just a 15 minute session is all it takes for my lifters to get fresher legs faster. We love to pack up our unit in the handy carrying case and take it on the road to meet. Especially after a long drive, it's like having a massage therapist on call. And as a gym owner, it's a no-brainer to add another hassle-free revenue stream to my books while helping my athletes get access to better, faster recovery. Visit normatechrecovery.com and use Strength Agenda to take a whopping $100 off the purchase of a unit. normatechrecovery.com That's N-O-R-M-A-T-E-C or click straight from the show notes. Now back to the show. I got just quite random questions here. Just give me the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask the question. Your first one. You're a new addition to the Cram Box. What color are you and why? Uh,
1: I want to be a bright pink, so I stand right. out.
0: There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, what's your favorite 90s jam?
1: Favorite 90s jam? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm terrible with music just so you know. That's okay. Um, favorite 90s jam was Cotton Eye Joe in the 90s? I'd give it to you. It's the only thing I can think of from like middle school dances.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I'll give you Cotton Eye Joe. That'd be great. Just to see your your big goofy butt dancing around <laughs> to that one.
1: I'm going to have um, to look that up later.
0: There you go. Um if you were to get rid of one state in the United States, which would it be and why?
1: Uh, Florida, because I hate
0: it. Florida. All right. Yeah, that's that's the first time Florida has been mentioned. It's really never had a
1: good experience in Florida.
0: Usually, it's Illinois or California. Those have been the popular uh, choices. So to speak. I'm a
1: big fan of California, and you're in Illinois, so that'd be rude.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad about that at all. Well, Illinois is a. Illinois got their problems right now with their money. They don't know how to balance a budget to save their soul. So, well, neither does
1: the government. So, I mean, just yeah, that's you.
0: true. But I just, I just don't, I don't take any offense when people are like, "Hey, want to get rid of uh, Illinois?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't blame you." Um, Superman or Batman, who's winning in a fight and why? Batman. Batman.
1: Because Ben Affleck's
0: awesome. You are the second person to say Batman, and it, and it intrigues me because I always figure people are going to go with the guy with superpowers automatically.
1: I feel like Superman has it easy. Like he was born with all these genetic talents to be able to just like fuck people up, and Batman's got to actually work for it.
0: This is true. This yeah. That that was the other uh, uh um, the other one was that Batman's a normal person, and uh, the, the Spider Man was not. All right. Last question here. Who was your favorite Power Ranger?
1: Uh, the White Ranger, Tommy. Yeah. Well, Tommy, name? but the White Ranger, not the Green Ranger.
0: Not the Green Ranger, the white, the guy with the tiger. Or didn't he have like a talking sword? He did. That's pretty sweet. He had like definitely. a
1: saber tooth, I think, was his uh, little, little... Oh, one. yeah,
0: that's right. He did have the saber tooth tiger looking thing. All right. So that's it for our lightning round. That is it for our interview with Keegan Dillon. Thank you very much for being on the show. Um, yeah, man. Thanks
1: for having
0: me. No problem. Hopefully you guys got something good out of that. I, If you didn't, I, you don't have a heartbeat. Um, but we'll post all the links to get in touch with Keegan on the show notes. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.